Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on the links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is now ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you each week for listening in and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about charismatic leadership, and my guest is Chris Morsley. Chris is a professional actor turned executive coach, and he helps leaders increase their charisma and command attention. Now, if you want to have a greater impact on your team, now this is your episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chris Morsley. Chris is an executive coach who has coached Olympic athletes, celebrities, and hundreds of public figures on how to increase charisma and command attention. He is a former actor turned coach who has a passion to help leaders learn the art of expressing themselves in a way that makes a positive impact. Now, I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about what it takes for leaders to make a more positive impact on their teams, their companies, and the world around them. So, Chris... Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's a real pleasure and definitely an honor to be here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Great to have you on the show. And yeah, I'm really excited to dive into your experience and what you teach leaders because I think it's something that's really valuable and we don't talk about it enough. So let's dive into a real quick uh, former actor turned leadership mm -hmm. coach. Explain a little bit about uh, the acting career and and where you got your passion for wanting to help leaders. Where did that come from? Yeah, well, the, look, I'll, I'll try and make this story short. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I I dreamed of being an actor from the age of about fourteen years old. I stood on stage, felt more at home on than off, on on stage than off, because um, I was a pretty introverted kid and and shy. But stood on that stage and I felt great. <laughs> it was really weird. Uh, anyway, I I became an actor. I went to a good drama school and I, I was an actor for 10 years and as far as actors would say I was I was successful um, because uh, you know for that for those 10 years I, I pretty much worked all the time I did a lot of great theater which I, which I enjoyed and and TV mainly so theater and TV and some films as well but so I, I was never really out of work and I, I but I have to say it 
it, it's kind of lucky, right? It's lucky. Um, so, for example, and I'll, I'll sort of tell you why I why I changed careers. I was standing on a corner of a suburban street, and uh, this kid was being dropped off by a taxi, and the kid was too young to be uh, to be taking a taxi by himself. And uh, I realized that it was, it was his father dropping him off. And I, I noticed the per, the driver of the taxi was actually a, a very famous actor. This, this guy had been a household name for probably 15 years in Australia. And here he was driving a cab. He's probably in his mid-40s. And that triggered me to think, okay, He's now in his mid-40s and he has to drive a cab to survive, to take his kid to school. And um, and, I, and I looked back on my career and went, um, okay, in the last 10 years, let's say, what have I done that really fulfilled, that gave me a sense of meaning, that fulfilled me, my, my original dream? And I, I, even though I'd worked so much, I could really only tell you that it was about a year and a half of incredible theatre and, and uh, you know, a particular film that I did, a miniseries that I did, and these thing, the, a few things that were really powerful. The rest of it was was not as powerful and, and really didn't fulfill the dream. So I thought, I, I not only am I not fulfilling meaning in my life doing this thing that was I thought was my destiny, but I might be out of work by the time I'm in my mid-40s. Yeah. Um, and so I quit. I literally quit. It was, uh, I didn't tell anybody in the industry. I just, just turned my back on it. Yeah. And uh, it was quite funny, actually, five years after that. It took five years, but five years after that, a casting agent calls me. I says, hey, Chris, uh, is that Chris Morsley? And I said, yeah. She said, where, where are you? And I said, I'm at home. <laughs> and, she, and she said, I've been looking for you for ages. You're, you're not anywhere. Uh, I'm just doing my own business and... Uh, yeah. And basically told her I'd quit acting. She said, oh, will you do one more job? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I did this one more job on television, then I got another one. So, you know, five years later, after, after absolutely nothing, I had these two really cool acting jobs and then carried on with my new career. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can't, it's not like, you know, not like a normal job where you can show up and say, you know what, I quit, I'm done. Because you're, you're working yeah. for all sorts of different people, right? So, <laughs> yeah, the, the possibility of uh, more opportunities coming your way is, is uh, yeah, that's interesting. And 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 why? Where where did the um, the idea of working with with you know Olympic athletes, uh, celebrities, leaders, where did that come from? Was it was it the acting? Mm. What what you saw and learned as an actor that you felt like you could help these type of people in these very forward-facing type roles? Yeah, well, I didn't plan to work with those particular people, but I remember someone saying to me when I was in this sort of transitional phase, he said, uh, you know, if you're going to do something, make sure you do something that where you can feed off your last career, you know, mm. use your strengths. And and I thought about, you know, an actor. An actor is a professional in presence. I mean, that's what we learn. We know about how to communicate in terms of body, voice, you know, body language and the voice, the, the verbal and the nonverbal. Uh, actors understand storytelling. Well, writers, directors and actors, that, that's our job. We understand storytelling. And storytelling is so important in, in all walks of life. Um, and also the ability to manage 
emotion. So actors, um, if you're an actor like I am, that's more sort of method style, you 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 don't actually immerse yourself in a character. You find the character in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm playing a character, no matter how diverse my all the different characters that I play, I find that essence of that person in myself. And so it's an incredible study of who you are and how you express yourself and what's possible. And so it's it's natural that I would then uh, move into an area where I'm helping leaders express themselves. And and ultimately, you know, even though I had 15 years of guilt for quitting my destiny, I've now found it again. Mm. And I found it again because uh, I'm I'm doing almost the same thing, but I'm helping leaders express themselves in a way that makes a positive impact on the world around them. And and for me that's really meaningful and 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 the authentic authenticity factor in that is is so important I think. Yeah, I like that. So what's interesting you state stated in this I think it's interesting to note and we've we've talked about it with other guests is that you found a new passion, you found a new purpose. And I think that you know as as we talk we've talked to other guests uh, that have been on the show talking about how you know, sometimes when we make a transition, we have a hard time finding that purpose. But when I left the military, it was a great example. Like, I didn't know what I, when you achieve all your dreams at 24 years old, what do you do next? You know, so uh, so finding that next purpose, it was really hard for me. And when I found it, it was just, everything came together when I found that purpose. So it sounds like you you made a shift and made a change and you went in a direction, but eventually you found something that really, you, you're really satisfied by that. Yeah, you know, this is so important. Purpose is so important. I mean, uh, you know, if we get kind of philosophical for a moment, <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we often ask ourselves, we look up at the, the dark night, the stars, and you say to yourself, you know, what what is the meaning of all this? Yeah. You know, what is the meaning of life? And and um, my, I, I think it's, personally, I think it's the wrong question. I think the, the right question is, what's the meaning of my life? Yeah. You know, is has my life got meaning? And and even though I was thought I was living my destiny, I look back and I realized actually only a fraction of it was meaningful. Mm. And, and and in the end, you to be powerful, whether it, you want to be a powerful presenter or, or or a great leader or 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 good at anything, the fuel that drives that achievement comes from your sense of meaning, from your sense of purpose. What are you trying to? How how are you making the world a more a, a, a better place than you found it? And, and it, it really is is not just in the research, but in my experience working with CEOs and that you know and and people who have achieved greatly that this is a really core part of of who they are, and uh, and I think a core part of communication authenticity as well. Mm, interesting. So we're going to get into that, but let's let's just. Uh, why do people seek you out? What you know when, when they come to find you? What are they trying to fix? Uh, what are they hoping to uh, improve in their yep. in their skill set when they when they seek you out? Yeah, well, in the early days, uh, it was probably you know I. I've got a presentation. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm feeling nervous. How, how do I get over that? Or I, I, my, I get a sore throat when I'm trying to speak to the back of the hall. Um, so, but now it's more. Um, usually, it's aspirational. So there's a there's a point in time where you know, let's say you're a subject matter expert, you're in a large organisation. Eventually, 
your expertise gets you to say senior manager level or something, and and you hit this ceiling where your expertise uh, has been great for you to get you to that point. But what the executive leadership are asking of you now is because they see potential in you is is to sort of relinquish that expertise and become a team leader and therefore you know be a be a person who's good at building relationships and, and for technical people especially this is a this is a whole new world yeah so I, I you know 50 percent I would say of the people I I work with are, are highly technical mm-hmm. and they they just haven't I guess over time that hasn't been their focus. And so they want to know how to build relationships, how to connect with people, how to how to be commanding. And then there's the, of course, the next level of people who are aspiring to to CEOship, or they they're they they are C-suite, and they need to connect with other executives and have a sense of gravitas. They want to be better storytellers, or 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 you know they want to be able to influence people in lots of different environments, but especially at an executive level. So that's some of the reasons why people. Uh, call me or or the media. They might need to deal with the media, which is an, another problem altogether. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually went through some training in that in, when I was in my corporate life, which was very powerful, very good training, where they actually brought camera crews in. They put cameras on our face, and it was really uh, good stuff. But it was yeah. to deal with uh, communicating a cri- in a, during a crisis, and uh, it was good stuff. Really good training. Oh, so awesome. Um, it was fun, fun experience for at least for me because. What do you, you know, like most people, like I was typically like most people, I froze when the camera went fixed, you know, I'm not used to oh, that. <laughs> absolutely. We, yeah. we freeze. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't now, but that's only because of huge amount of practice, really. Yeah. I mean, no, but it, most, most, yeah. It's intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about leadership communication. So, uh, and you work with you're working with leaders, helping them to to to, to connect better. So, how can uh, leaders, you know, in your opinion, and what you do to help people, how can they command attention, connect with people, and and really, you know, as part of the role of leadership is to motivate them for action. How does leadership communication play in that? Okay, so first of all, uh, you've clarified what a, what actually it takes: commanding, mm-hmm. connecting, and compelling. Really, mm. so co- commanding attention is about co- well, com- being in command is one about commanding attention, but it's also about commanding the space you're in. It could be the physical space, but also the the knowledge space. So, commanding attention is one aspect, and it's it's very important for to to give you the uh, I guess the power that people are then going to respect. The next level is connecting with people, and we we really, if you could divide it into two, it's it's speaking their language mm. or, or getting them to talk, of course. Um, is is a good way to connect with people. And the other side of connecting with people, and probably the most important, is about connecting with them emotionally. And uh, you know, the the key skill of any great leader has eventually will come down to this one thing: being able to manage mood in yourself and other people. Uh, and that's really key. So that that's that's connecting is critical. The next part being compelling is putting together a really good argument, having good evidence, making you know, methodical and logical um, and leading to a clear con- conclusion and call to action. Uh, but then also being able to take people, so the other side, I guess, of being compelling and motivating is, and, and the critical element of it is being able to take people from where they're at emotionally and then to a place you need them to be mm-hmm. in order to deliver 
on on the goals or the or the vision. So this is a really clear picture of what a leader or a, a, a leader while communicating needs to be. It's almost three different um, three different skill sets. You know, it sounds like because one is. When you say commanding presence, so it might be you're on stage, you might be doing a presentation, you might just be in a room where you have to, you know, where, you, where you're typically, you're the only one speaking typically, right? And then with this connecting, now you're talking about connecting emotionally, you're, you know, you're, it's a back and forth dialogue, it's active listening, there's a whole other side of that. And then it's the other, then, and then, you know, directing people and trying to, you know, motivate them. To the, to the place you want them to go, it, that's a whole nother set. It's, it's almost like there's, there's three different elements than in, in their skills in each one of those areas. Absolutely. There are, there's, and look, it's, it's, and it's so complex. A human behavior and interaction is so complex. And the, the, the problem is with, in fact, look, I've been in the industry of, of, of teaching, coaching, training in communication skills, and a large part of that is presentation skills. And I, personally, I think that that most presentation skills training is actually working, will actually destroy your authenticity as opposed to build it up. Mm. And, and, and I think that, you know, your power comes from who you are. You, you already know how to gesture, right? So you knew how to gesture, how to use any gesture you wanted. You could be incredibly expressive by the time you're three or four years old. And, and if you're saying to me that, um, I, I freeze up and I don't know how to use, I, I don't know what to do with my hands when I present. It's not a gesture problem. It's, it's not a gesture problem. It, it's, it, you have nerves that are freezing you up. Um, and unfortunately, what you get in, in most training is you get this really superficial response, which is, oh, well, you, you should use this gesture because this is the most common gesture on TED Talks. Or make sure your chin is level with the floor or stand still, stop waving your hands around or slow down. And we get these pieces of advice that may have good intention, but in fact, all they do is work toward making us less authentic, literally less authentic. Yeah, yeah. because you're not yourself. Yeah. You're being what people tell you to be. Yeah, yeah you're, you're being this like kind of idealistic version of a presenter or a leader. Yeah. I mean, they used to do that in the Middle Ages. There were pamphlets, because they didn't have books then, pamphlets that showed people's gestures. You know, if you were an actor and you wanted to play a bad guy, this is what a bad guy looked like. This is what the gestures were. So you played that, and it represented the bad guy. And there's still, you know, you can go on Google now and look up presenting, and you'll find people telling you what gestures to use when. You'll tell them, they'll tell you, you know, you need to never gesture above your shoulders. <laughs> you know, keep it within this particular zone. Um, you know, and there's all this this crazy stuff out there that that absolutely flies in the face of authenticity and works against yeah. it. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. I was just thinking, you know, as a writer, I had to find my voice. You know, to to yeah. to write books, I had to find what how I wanted to talk in my books, how I wanted to write my books. It took me a while to find my voice. And imagine the same thing on stage. It's finding your voice, right? And so it's taking maybe feedback. You know, like the best, best, some best ideas, but it's like finding what's your authentic voice when you're on stage. Is that is that a lot of it? That is so true. That is that is that is that is all of it. Is finding, you know, I think you find yourself in others. To be honest, it's this outward expression of who you are. For for an important, you have a strong intention. So the re the thing that's wrong with with this form of training where you're told what to do 
is that authenticity is a massively complex thing. Mm. I mean, you've got many, many behaviors that go into every single interaction. I mean, just just in your, say you've got, you've got your energy and your voice, your body language, your eye contact, your content, words and the, your appearance, all these different aspects of it. And then, but then that, that goes into huge complexity. I mean, even your voice, you just think about the various aspects of the, your voice that have meaning and, and will make an, a difference and an impact and create perceptions of, of you in the minds of others. You have power, tone, range, articulation, emphasis, pace, pause, rhythm, energy. I mean, nine different aspects just to your voice that combine in their own unique way to make you, you. Yeah. And someone says, oh, you need to uh, slow down. <laughs> or you need to you talk like this or you need to smile when you present. I mean, you know, and so instead what I do as a coach and how I help people be authentic is I find triggers. So mm. I, I find a trigger that brings the best of you out. Because I, I believe that every, almost everybody is capable of being charismatic. And if I find the right trigger, uh, then you will find that aspect of yourself that you need to be in the moment. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand built and each star on the flag is hand hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today so a really simple trick is 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 energy so if you literally double your energy so you close the door you you stand up you imagine an audience there and you double your normal energy you jump around you know you talk with great enthusiasm you just act that out physically 
And what will happen is, is you'll find a lot of authentic expressions coming through that. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, the triggers are important, whether they're uh, a physical trigger or there are what if trigger. So imagine if I could be like this and you imagine yourself or what, what mm. you could be or a memory trigger. Actually, I'll tell you a really interesting story about, about uh, triggers uh, and, and someone changing. Uh, so there was, I was asked to work with a managing director of a large investment bank in Australia. So actually, he was, he, yeah, he was the CEO of this, of this bank. And they said to me, uh, I want you to work with uh, Chris because he's, he's too nice. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> nice. You can imagine that in an investment bank. He's he's just always nice and and bland, and we need him to be powerful uh, and to lead. And so uh, I met with him, and we talked about all those different behaviours, and we practiced, and we 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 you know we, we did a whole lot of things to try and get him to express himself more in a, in a more commanding way. And eventually, uh, and and it wasn't. Working, but I have a method. I have a process that, that that leads me eventually to helping them become authentic and powerful at core. But uh, eventually, I got to this point where I thought, I can't find his command. Mm. I I can't find his sense of command. He'll get it for a moment and then it will disappear. And so I decided to. I, I asked him where in his life does he feel like he's in command. And he says, when I'm sailing my boat in the sunset races on the harbour. Uh, there you go. And, I, and, and he said, do you want to come out one day? I said, yes. <laughs> so I went on his boat. It was one of the scariest things I've ever been in is these, these really vicious races they have on the harbour, these, these huge boats. I mean, it's, it's dangerous and scary. And I, I watched Chris and I saw a leader. Yeah. This guy was in total command of that boat. He was a brilliant helmsman. And I'd found my leader. Yeah. And I said, Chris, well, you know, this is this is command. Yeah. What does it look like? How does it feel when you're in command? All we need to do is we need to bring this into your work environment. This is you. This is the essence. This is an element of you that's really critical and powerful. That's you. And so that was the trigger that eventually got him to to be more commanding. Mm. Interesting, interesting. So, so it's it is his authentic voice. It's just he he had a hard time expressing it, not in. But you had to put him in an environment where it came out essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think there's a lot of there's a there's a there's a lot of um, I guess uh, falls here from the how we learn to communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, we learn to stand on stage and hold out our, our hands and close in together and only use gestures every now and then because they're very distracting if you use, use gestures. They're just like really old-fashioned ways of teaching people to communicate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you would know as a veteran when when the proverbial hits the fan and you're in action or you're in a difficult situation, all those presentation techniques go out the window, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you must connect. You must command yeah. and you must compel that person to act. And you can, you yeah. can, because it, you're capable of it. Interesting. It's, I love that. I love that. I think that's, I think it's good for people to hear that because some that are listening in may say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm an engineer and I'm an accountant. I'm not, uh, 
I'm not comfortable on stage. I'm not comfortable. I'm not that uh, charismatic leader. And but I've always always found that people are often, you know, there are parts of their life, like you said, this guy in his in his boat. There are parts of their lives where they are in command, and when they have that, and you know, when they are uh, an extrovert, if you will, in in their field of study or things that they're really passionate about. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something outside of work. But you tend to find that, and, and I think that uh, I love that you're saying this is to to tap into what the, the real you, but the you that is uh, that that person that is more commanding. I really like that. Um, I have a question for you. Um, charismatic leadership. Now, sometimes charismatic leadership is thought of in a bad light. You know, like the you know maybe the TV TV evangelist that's trying to take your money, right? This charismatic leader. That uh, or a cult leader or someone like that. So, explain what you mean by charismatic leadership. So, to me, charismatic leadership is bringing people with you. Mm, okay, the, mm. behind the vision, and it's neither good nor bad. It's like we we uh, I don't know. I can't think of a better word than anthropomorphize, but it's <laughs> like we personalize things that are not that are not personal. Right. Charisma is charisma is neither good nor bad. It's like power. Power is neither good nor bad. Okay. Power doesn't corrupt. People corrupt power. In in every relationship, in 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 fact, you and I talking right now, we're exchanging power. You are listening to me and and enjoying what I have to say, uh, and then you are giving me the and and then you take the power right to to tell your story and then you give it away to me. So it's the same thing with charisma. I'll I'll tell you. So charisma is in everybody, and it's possible. To, charisma is about having a dynamic personality, uh, the type of personality and skills that enable you to bring people with you, and probably learned. In fact, I I believe it's it's not a gift. It's a it's a choice. So I'll give you an example. So I'm I'm working. Here's a bit of a name drop, but I'm working with. Uh, I was working with Russell Crowe at one point on a script. We were improvising a script for a director, and 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 sort of filling out the characters and it's just Russell Crowe and I. Um, uh, for those who don't know, he's an Academy Award winning actor, gladiator, etc. Anyway, uh, so we're walking down after work to towards a bar where there's a pool table and no one wants to talk to him uh, because he's a cranky looking guy. Basically, he's, he's, he's a very, very introverted. Um, and he just, he just, it, it like he pushes people away just by his demeanor. And anyway, he's he's there. He is playing pool, and I'm watching. I both actors at that point, and I'm kind of musing on what this, what actors are, you know. And I look at him, and I think this guy I'm looking at now. You take away the superstar aspect of him, he's got no charisma, yeah, like none. I mean, he you would forget him. He would have been a fantastic spy. You know, you'd, you'd absolutely forget him if you'd met him briefly and then walked away. Huh? And then. I, and then you imagine a different situation. Let's let's take a different situation. Let's say he's you're you're an executive producer. You got your team in there, and you're looking at a, the next lead actor for your movie. And Russell Crowe walks in the door. Now it's a whole different story. Russell Crowe walks in the door at that point, and the atmosphere changes. It's not just that he's got presence; he changes the atmosphere. Mm. He walks in, and people feel good. He looks you in the eye, he'll shake your hand, and he'll forge a quick personal relationship with you, not just with you, but every single person in the room. Mm. They feel 
charmed in a, in a really authentic way. And, and when he speaks, you listen because he speaks with conviction. He'll tell stories that are relatable to each person in the room. And in fact, when he's on set, Russell Crowe is a leader. He's a truly good leader. I mean, he will create a kind of I'll follow you anywhere loyalty with people on set. So like any great leader, this actor who was, you know, introverted one minute and then suddenly extroverted the next, has a kind of aura of warmth and authenticity with everybody from the from the person at the front desk to the CEO. This this person is the same person. I mean, I, you could say, well, who is Russell Crowe? Uh, and I would say, he's everything. He's anything. He's infinite possibilities because every action you take in life, every single step you take is a choice. Mm. Uh, you can, as Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning, if we can talk about meaning, it's that great book, he says, every person, your, your emotions are a choice. No matter what the circumstances, you can, you can choose how you want to feel in any given circumstance. So it's, it's the last of the human freedoms. So Russell Crowe can be whatever he needs to be in the moment. And it's totally authentic. It's just a different aspect of him. So charisma is not a gift. It's a choice. I love that you say that, and, and I think it relates well to acting. And I always say that, you know, as leaders, we're on stage, you know, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is everyone's watching us. You know, I ran, mm-hmm. I ran eight, this, this is my ninth manufacturing company I've run. So I've run a lot of manufacturing companies where I'm the old, I'm the, the senior guy. I'm the, the only guy on site that's where I don't have any, any boss, right? So I, the, I'm the corner office guy. And I can tell you from doing that for 30 years, Every eye's on me all the time, right? They know when I show up, when I leave, uh, if I'm angry, if I'm if I, if uh, if I'm irritated. They they see they're watching me all the time. I'm I'm on stage. I I, I literally use that analogy. I'm on stage mm. all the time, you know. And I think yep. I don't think that leaders recognize that they're on stage. I think that they think I'm just going to do my thing. But your thing is you're on stage and everyone's watching you. You have to know that. And I think I learned that in my Navy days because the captain, we always watched what the captain was doing and his emotions affected the rest of us, right? And I, I just, yeah. that, that I think I took that away and say, you know, I'm the captain of this ship and I know I have, I'm responsible for these people. And, you know, you've got to act a certain way when you're on stage. And it's not, you're not being inauthentic. But you you know that every eye is on you, and everything you say is is important to get to where you're trying to get to with your team. Yeah, that's such a great insight. I, I imagine you'd be a really really good leader. You're, you're a positive person. You're a nice guy, but you, you you there's a sense about you that you you really are in command. Yeah. Um, but the, you know what? There's there's a really strong psychological backing for what you're saying. I mean, this is not a superficial thing. This is not just about having these superficial people skills where you walk around smiling all the time. That, that, that's not important. That, that is not important. It's not about smile, plastering on a smile. This is going to be authentic. Yeah. And, and the, the reflection of the people to the leader is, is, is such an important aspect to, to great leadership. And actually how that happens is if you and I, well, you and I are having a conversation now, but let's say we're, we're face-to-face. It probably works a little better face-to-face, but it does work on video. But let's say you and I meet, and we don't, we don't know each other from Adam, and we just we start talking. The first thing we'll do is we'll look for something in common, mm. right? Yeah. I, I'll find out you're a veteran, or I've listened to one of your podcasts, and I'll say, you know, I really respect veterans because as an actor, I've been in, in, in war movies, and I know I could never 
ever possibly empathize with with your situation, but I've had a glimpse into how uh, uh, the chaos of 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 a of a war situation or this you know and and I I have huge respect for you. So they, we would find some sort of common ground and we can't help it. Every human being will search when they meet another human being will search for common yeah. ground yeah. if they're locked in a room by themselves. The next thing that happens is we start copying each other. We will it's called motor mimicry. Now we can't help it. When I look you in the eyes and you look at me and we and you start telling stories and and I'm telling stories, we start to copy the way little facial expressions, our movements, and this is called motor mimicry. Now that motor mimicry then uh, creates a response in your in your brain, the emotional part of your response, and so and and then. It's, this is called emotional contagion. So I literally, from the mimicry of you, I catch your emotion. Mm-hmm. So we're now expressing the same emo- or feeling the same emotions as we speak. Yeah. And uh, I'll start acting like you and you'll start acting like me. Now, you imagine that on a large scale. What it requires from the leader is not a poker face or a cranky face. I mean, Daniel Goleman is, uh, will cite so many examples. Is, is it, you know, he's probably one of the great uh, psychologists in, in um, emotional intelligence. will cite a lot of research that talks about, you know, cranky face doesn't work. <laughs> a poker face doesn't create emotional contagion. Yeah. What, what does create emotional contagion is you being expressive. Right? So for good or bad. So let's take the good one, which is positively expressive. It doesn't mean you're happy all the time. Right? It just means that you have a dynamic range of expression and you're expressing yourself in a positive and, and you know, forward-thinking way and you have purpose. And as you walk the facility, people see you mm, and they yeah. start acting like you and talking like you and becoming yeah. like you. The interesting thing is that in this emotional contagion that happens in an organization that's, that's, that's triggered by the leader actually also gives other people to be their own expressive self. It's not like you're creating drones. It's actually you, you're creating people who, have, who now have permission to be powerful and interesting. Yeah, and I like what you just said that you're giving them permission to to, to, yeah. to be themselves Yeah, yeah. And to be their expressive self. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, uh, it's it's such an amazing subject. This the <laughs> whole subject of charisma, and and it's uh, it's uh, unfortunate that it's that it's maybe I don't know out of out of fashion being charis- charismatic, but it's ca- charisma doesn't necessarily mean you're an extrovert. Mm. I mean, I I, I have a, a client who's a managing partner of a, a law firm, and he's not an extrovert at all. He's a kind, humble, consultative leader. He he doesn't go around like the president shaking hands and flashing his white teeth, but he will go down to the 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 floor where the, all these people are sitting, and he'll just sit down and chat with people. He'll yeah. connect with them. Yeah. Um, he will always consult his partnership before making huge decisions. He'll be de- decisive when he needs to be, and uh, he'll be commanding when he needs to be. He doesn't. You you don't have to be an extrovert. To be a great leader, be- because it's it's too simplistic to think that you know you yeah. you have everything that's possible. You have introversion and extroversion possible. It's possible within you to be to be either. Mm. I like that. I know for my my career, I started. I probably was more of an introvert. I'm an NT. I studied engineering and and what have you. But 
as soon as I had my first plant at 32 years old, it was like you, I knew I was on stage. It was definitely the feeling of all those eyes on me that I, I over time, I just became an extrovert. I just like being around people. I enjoy I enjoy the messiness of people and the interesting sides of people and the, the and the strange opinions and the str- I love every part of that. So for me, I enjoy being around people and learning about their 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 quirks, their hangups, their their phobias, their conspiracy theories. I just think people are interesting. So for me, I think I probably became an introvert or an extrovert just from being around so many people for so long that I just enjoy it now. I get energy from it. Yeah, I, I love the way you say the messiness of people. Yeah. You know, as 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 I get older, I think you know we are we are all vulnerable. We've all made big mistakes. We've all failed. We've 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 fallen over. We're not perfect. You know, we we this is this is what the human is, mm. and and uh, you know the way you're des- describing that, I think, is really enlightening uh, would be enlightening for people because they're saying well he's he's a leader and he can be real you know he can be you can you, you don't connect with people by being perfect that that's not actually what connects with people right. what connects with people is are your are, are your your vulnerabilities yeah the fact that you're you're real and and when someone sees you in a leader position leadership position and you tell a story about when you've you failed not when you were a hero when you failed uh, and and that's what inspires people i mean i i've worked with i've worked with cisco systems for many many years and and at the highest level and all through the organization i i really enjoyed this relationship with this with this organization and seeing John Chambers take the business from seventy million dollar business to a fifty something billion dollar business, um, this leader is one of the most uh, charismatic people I've ever I've ever come across. I've ever met. And uh, he did a, a speech in Hawaii once, where he he talked about the the trials of this employee this this year. He said this employee was was so depressed he was struggling to get out of bed in the morning. And um, he was questioning his, you know, whether he was actually capable of doing his job. Um, and, you know, eventually he picked himself up and he, he was, you know, one day at a time he kind of got through life and he got through the year and he pushed himself and he just he just hung on. Anyway, he, he, he did this speech about this employee and then at the end he said to the audience, Oh, by the way, that employee's name was John Chambers. Mm. And the impact, I, I remember the impact of the over 40,000 people around the globe of Cisco. The impact could be heard through every corridor, across every border, in meeting rooms all throughout Cisco. People were telling that story. He's just like us. That's how I feel. And and I, I the the palpable connection that he made with his organisation at that point was just something I'll, I'll never forget. And that wasn't about you know I became the hero. It was about understanding and empathy, and that we are, we don't have to be perfect. You know, and in a really practical way, when you're presenting on stage, it's really critical you connect. You look at a person in the eye and you connect with them one at a time. Yep. Because that's going to create that uh, that that engagement, that uh, emotional contagion. If you just scan the crowd and you stand there and you you use the gestures you were told and you stop 
you stop moving because you've been told you need to stop moving or you stop moving your hands because they said stop waving your hands because it's distracting. <laughs> you walk around like that. You're not going to connect. Yeah. You're not going to connect. You, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to find a way to be who you are mm-hmm. and to do that within a certain time frame, but then also nail it within that time frame. <laughs> and, 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 and that's the, that's the skill, you know. I love it. I love it. Chris, this is this has been a phenomenal conversation. Speaking about timing, we're just at the end here now. But um, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this. How can people find out more if they're listening to you and they're like, wow, I really need some help in this area. I really need I really need some coaching in this area. How can people find out about you? Where can they go to learn more about you and your services? Well, you know, I could talk with you for a long time. <laughs> I don't know whether you could talk with you. You probably eventually want to get rid of this loser who just keeps asking you questions. <laughs> I'm enjoying uh, it so much, but I'm also <laughs> another time. <laughs> oh, I don't think we've touched the service. But anyway, how to connect me with me um, is one probably the best way. I mean, you could go on my website, cmcglobal.com.au. So there's another CMC Global. So it's going to be .com.au. It's the Australian CMC Global. And you'll find Chris Morsley, M-O-R-S-L-E-Y, executive coach. Uh, the other way to connect with me, and probably one of the best ways to connect with me is through LinkedIn. Um, so just look for Chris Morsley in LinkedIn, executive coaching, influence and persuasion. I'm, there are very few Chris Morsley's in the world for some reason. One guy, one of them's retired. Another guy lives in Seattle. <laughs> and, um, that's about it. But So you will recognize me on LinkedIn. Um, and I also do some tips on, on uh, you know, each week I do three sort of one-minute tips on Instagram. And that's Chris Morsley, exec coach. So, yeah, that's where you'll find me. Okay. Excellent, Chris. We're going to put links in the show notes for those resources. And again, leaders, I hope you took away a lot uh, from this conversation. I know I did. There's a lot of things to think about. You are on stage, whether you like it or not. Even if you're presenting or not presenting, you're on stage. And uh, I think a lot of the things that Chris talked about are things we all have to remember uh, when we're out there talking and interacting with people. Chris, this has been an exciting conversation and I learned a lot and I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and honor. Actually, it's really upset pleasure and an honor. But it has. <laughs> need to do my voice exercises before I say that. But um, no, honestly, John, been great talking with you, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Reddy saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. 
but I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid.